Welcome to Nothing Confidential, the podcast. I'm Kristen Henke, your hostess with the mostest, guide from the side, and mistress of ceremonies. Together, we're about to explore and deconstruct the shame and stigma surrounding our sexuality. You heard that right. We're going deep on the topics of sex, relationships, spirituality, health, and everything else that impacts our ability to live, love, and orgasm freely. My hope is to shine a light on our shared experiences by normalizing taboo topics and empowering each of you to reclaim autonomy of your pleasure, your bodies, and your lives. You are now entering a judgment-free zone where I ask all the uncomfortable and embarrassing questions for you. Our unofficial mantra is be curious, not judgmental. So leave your inner prude at the door or strap her in tight because this is happening. Well, hello. Thank you for joining me either for the first time or yet again for another episode of Nothing Confidential, the podcast. You guys, my heart is so full. I launched this little podcast, baby, the second week of January, and we have already almost surpassed 5,000 downloads, which tells me that my gut feeling and the intuitive hit I got from the universe, um, when it was time to start this, that those are correct. People are seeking more messy, uncomfortable, but deeply personal, raw, vulnerable, honest conversations about everything, about the things that have caused us to feel shame, about the things that have been stigmatized to the point where we feel like we can't talk about them or that we have no one to talk to about them. This platform is to create safe space for the telling of our stories and the sharing of our individual and collective traumas and the ways in which we've moved through those and how we have gone from victim to victor, how we have risen like a phoenix from the ashes and created the lives that we truly desire. And I'm just so grateful for all of you who are along for the ride. And I do want to just add a note in light of everything that is going on in the world with the current climate, there is a true deep revolution going on right now in the fight to end. I mean, truly end racism on a cultural level. And I am here for it. I'm just going to put on the front end of this episode that I am committed to doing my own deep, active, anti-racist work that I stand with my brothers and sisters of color, uh, my black brothers and sisters, specifically black lives matter. And we are dedicated. I say we at the moment, it's me, but we, everyone who has become a part of this community we are here to love people well and to create safety and sacred space for all types of people, all shapes, colors, sizes, ethnicities, religions, sexualities, orientations, every single, every single one, every single shade. And I will continue elevating the voices of black people and people of color. That has been something the the show is new, but 
right out of the gate. That is something that I just wanted you guys to know from me personally. It, it is on my mind and it's really important to me because there, that's how we move through this. Like that is how we end this is by openly placing value on everyone equally and sharing ideas and perspectives and thoughts from people who come from different backgrounds than us, who look different than us, who believe different things than us. So that's, that was on my heart. This, this work is for the long term, And so I just, I want you guys to know that this is not, this is not a sprint. Like you're not going to see a bunch of stuff from me for like a month and then nothing else. Like I am working really hard to take sustainable steps to infuse my beliefs and my education on this subject into my work moving forward, into how I am building my community, into how I'm building this podcast, into how I'm creating content, into where and how I share content. It's all going to be coming through. So thank you guys. Thank you for being on this journey with me. I appreciate deeply. I deeply appreciate all of you and I'm sending you so much love. So I'm really excited to share today's episode with you. As always, Dr. Omatma is a naturopathic doctor and nutritionist in practice for over 12 years. She specializes in women's health, is the best-selling author of Fertility Secrets, What Your Doctor Didn't Tell You About Baby Making, and is a sought-out speaker on topics related to women's health and empowerment. Dr. Omatma was awarded the Best Alternative Medicine Practitioner Award locally in 2015 and was a top woman in medicine doctor in 2020. In addition to supporting couples through private one-on-one care and online group programs, she also trains practitioners who want to specialize in fertility and is the host of the Egg Meets Sperm podcast. So if you couldn't guess from that introduction, we are talking about baby making today, y'all. I thought this was important because I have a lot of of friends who still have not begun families just yet, but it's on their mind. I have single friends who want to have children one day, but are not in partnership. I have people who have been trying for a little while, but it hasn't really been successful and they're wondering if something is wrong with them. And Dr. Amatma is here to address all of those things. We specifically focus on the, the health and quality of our eggs as women. And there's so much information in here, stuff that I had literally never heard in my entire life. She also gives us a lot of really helpful insight on freezing eggs, on IVF, on some of the other treatments. And then she shares a lot about her alternative approach to handling all of these things. She really does have a mind, body, soul method, which I am a a huge fan of. We talk about everything from how your diet and your environment to your, how you've processed past trauma and just a whole slew of other things, like how each of those contributes to our fertility and our ability to create space energetically and physically to welcome in a baby. So I'm going to let you guys grab a notebook, maybe a tea or a coffee, sit back, take some notes, check out the show notes as well, because I'm going to drop some stuff in there for her. And yeah, I hope this is really, really educational for you guys. And I apologize for the train in the background. Um, 
Also, <laughs> quick admin note. This, when I was re-listening to this, I was like laughing because this was one of the earlier episodes that I recorded when, like right after James was born and she is so tiny and she interrupted us quite a few times with like crying, screaming, poopy diapers, all the things. So some of that I had to cut out just because it wasn't like cute. It was like five minutes of her being extremely disruptive. We love her, uh, but you know, I am not an expert sound engineer, so the track is maybe not my smoothest work. I am still learning, but I think that the conversation flows really well, and I can't wait to hear feedback from you guys on what you found surprising, what you didn't know, if you are going to be implementing any of this for your own baby making in the near future. I'm here for all of it. So shoot me a message. Love you guys. Thanks for being here. Dr. Omatma, thank you so much for coming to Nothing Confidential to talk to us um, about baby making. (laughs) What a fun subject. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you would totally know since you just have a little it. I know a thing or two about baby making. Um, (laughs) And I'm sure a couple of our listeners do. Um, But one of the reasons that I thought it would be awesome to have you on here is because a lot of my listeners are in that like mid thirties to early forties range. And Mm. a lot of them don't have kids. And I kind of have two camps. We've got the ones who definitely want kids, but they're not currently in a relationship. And so they want to kind of know like how to stay healthy and keep those eggs viable and like all Mm. that stuff. And then the other camp is like early thirties. They're with the person. They are ready to have a baby yesterday. What can we do to, you know, to up our chances? Because as you detail in your book, fertility secrets, what your doctor didn't tell you about baby making, um, it's not as easy as people think. It's not quite as simple as everybody thinks like getting pregnant is actually, I mean, it's, it's challenging. And so if people are, you know, trying to get pregnant and they think it should be easy because they had tequila and, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but it's not happening. Like they don't need to be stressed out or worried. Um, so those are, those are like the two camps. And so I thought we'll, we'll get into all that a little bit later. Um, but I just, I would love for you to just share a little bit about yourself and your, your background as much as you want to share about like how you came to this work and got (laughs) to where you are. Yeah. Uh, well, it's a really fun story because I, so I went to naturopathic medical school. I got there basically because I, was majoring in pre-med. I was like, of my whole life, it was like, oh, you're going to be a doctor. You're going to be a doctor, right? I'm Indian. So go figure. (laughs) (laughs) You either can be a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer. (laughs) So I was like, pretty pretty limited options. So um, I went to pre-med. I hated it, like with a passion. I was like, biology is just memorizing all we do is memorize stupid details about shit that nobody cares about (laughs) (laughs) and and I got really into psychology and religion and for me I was like that's the body mind and spirit like why aren't we talking about all of these three things together because we all have these three things and all of my professors were like, you're a hippie, you need to move to California. <laughs> so yes, I live in California now. <laughs> like, and, I, and I do, I did. Yeah. did, move to I California. did that. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
but I got to the end of my pre-med and didn't have um, a path. Like I wasn't going to go to medical school. I was really clear on that. And PA school physician assistant, that was an option. And a month before graduation, I got a pamphlet from a naturopathic medical school and the cover said body, mind, spirit. And I opened it up and it was like all of these things I had heard about, but didn't really know. And I was like, yes, this is what I'm doing with my life. So I was super excited, went to medical school for naturopathic medicine graduated, did a residency, all of that thing, all of those things, eventually moved to California. And it was about five years into my practice that um, one of my business coaches was like, you need a niche. You need to figure out what you're helping. What What are you really helping people with? And I was like, no, but I can help everyone. And I was like, all all this resistance. (laughs) I was like, yeah, I have a niche. It's naturopathic medicine. Like nobody knows about it. Mind body connection. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. And, and then I finally, like every time he would say niche, um, my head would go to fertility. And I was like, I do not understand why. And in my personal life, I was researching a whole bunch of stuff around fertility. I was with this guy, um, married to this guy, I should say. I was with a guy. I mean, we got married, but whatever. (laughs) Whatever. Uh, Irrelevant. Um, and, And I was getting clearer that I had maybe made a mistake and this was not gonna be a full lifetime thing. And I basically started researching what I could do for my fertility so that I could leave him. Without, without the like, oh my God, will I ever have a child kind of feeling. Or like, how can I like protect my eggs? Yeah, exactly. So, so I started researching egg freezing and I started researching IVF and the whole, like what I call a fertility myth of at 35, your fertility is going to die off. Cobwebs just emerge over (laughs) the entrance of of your vagina and everything inside turns into (laughs) dust. Yeah. Right. Yeah. (laughs) That one um, that I didn't really buy into, but I had to, because that's what we were taught in medical school as naturopathic doctors. So I, I kind of was hoping that someone was out there saying something different. And I found a book that I absolutely love by a woman who's amazing, Dr. Christian Northrup. You might have heard of her. Oh, absolutely. Women's Body is Women's Wisdom. (laughs) Yep, that's the book. Also, guys, Kate Northrup's mama, and she is also a powerhouse and writes books and stuff. So look them all up, the whole Northrup clan. (laughs) Yes, yes. So Women's bodies, Women's Wisdom, she talks in the fertility chapter about how women in other parts of the world were getting pregnant at the age of 60. And I was like, okay, so maybe I don't want to do that. But at least that gives me hope that our fertility doesn't magically disappear. Like we're doing something to it to make it disappear. So that's when I started researching all the natural medicine stuff of like, how do we preserve our fertility inside our bodies? Because egg freezing at that time was 
a 1% success rate. It's a 4% success rate now. I was like, well, I'm not sure I want to spend $10,000 plus like (laughs) $2,000 per year to like preserve those eggs that I have frozen. And then another $20,000 to put them back into my body. Well, and so many women, like that's not even an option, like that kind of money, like there's a huge portion of the population and that that is not an option at all. Yeah. And well, where I was at that time and even now, I'm not sure that it's an option, right? Yeah. I mean, there are people who mortgage their homes and stuff to like do that if you you feel so-called and everything, but it's just, oh, it's, it's enormously expensive. Yeah. And then it was right, believe it or not, like what was happening in the world where I live, which is Silicon Valley, people were, Facebook had come out with, we're now offering free egg freezing for people who work for us. Um, Google, like all the big tech companies were moving into this field of, hey, we want to keep all of our um, employees who are women under the age of 35, we want to keep them and we don't want them taking time off for having babies. So we're now going to incentivize it. And in, just imagine like, for me, it was, it was that shift of coming around to like, well, maybe we don't have to freak out if we're over 30, 35, right? If you're getting closer to 35, you can do things, but you don't have to freak out. And and then the flip side of it, like all of my friends who work at Facebook and and like other tech companies that were offering these incentives that were single, that were like taking taking it on. And then they were like, oh, I froze my eggs, so I'm fine. I don't need to worry about this anymore. And I was like, you know, you might want to look at the stats behind the scenes. Like, those are not good stats to have maybe a four, five, ten, even on a great chance, you have a 10% chance of taking those eggs and turning them into babies. Like, that's not a great place to rest your hat. Like it's a good well, insurance policy, yeah. but it well, may I'm not be the only talking about this because I think even, even now, like I've heard, especially like on a podcast that I listen to, like <laughs> right now, there are, you know, ads for like egg freezing companies basically who yeah. have found a way to market it like really well. And so they've got all these like young viable 30 year olds who are running podcast yeah. empires, yeah. you know, talking about egg freezing. Um, but you shared some stuff in your book just about how, like, basically walk us through what happens, like after you have, cause you have to thaw the egg and like, right. there's like a whole process to freezing and unfreezing and all of this that has a big <laughs> impact on the quality of the egg, which is something totally. that I don't think you do definitely don't hear about when people are, you know, touting all of the glories of egg freezing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I'm not a reproductive endocrinologist, so I will couch this with like, I'm not going to have the perfect scientific way to explain this. But what I understand is happening is you get a bunch of hormones. The hormones can vary based on the clinic, based on your age, based on what they think you have going on. They will try some combinations of hormones to basically control your ovulation so that you don't ovulate randomly but that it's controlled and they can time it 
And then the other thing is to give you hormones to produce a ton of eggs at once so that when they do go in to take the eggs, hopefully we could have like 20 or 30 eggs at once. That would be awesome. An average 35-year-old, we would maybe expect 15 to 20. Um, if that average 35-year-old has depleted fertility, you might get five, in which case you'll re keep redoing cycles till you can get at least 20 because that's anything below that. I don't know how well, many chances the survival you have. Rate of the eggs are so <laughs> yeah. small that you need a big pool to pull from. Totally. Yeah. So you want to get you want to bank as many as possible, right? And then we have after so depending on the clinic, the clinic that we often refer people to, they are freezing their egg right when it touches the needle. So it's like that split two and a half seconds that at least from what they've told me, that two and a half seconds makes it or breaks it for the egg survival rates. So I don't want to be the one holding <laughs> any of those things, the needle or I'm like, who does that? Who's like, okay, one, two, go. <laughs> that would be nerve wracking. Oh yeah. God. Yeah. That's I why think. they get paid the big bucks, I guess. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> um, so we, t they take the eggs and then they freeze them. If by chance you are partnered and you want to not have babies right now, freezing your embryos is actually a much better likelihood for survival um, because then they already have the egg and sperm meat in a Petri dish right away. They figure out like, oh, 15 of them made it, but we have good 15 embryos that made it to day three or day five of the development. That's, those are like good chances of survival. That's but, a crazy thought. So then you freeze that. <laughs> you freeze the embryo. And then the they just start growing again once you like thaw them out. Implant. Yeah. That, <laughs> crazy. Freaky. Yeah. That raises yeah, all kinds of thoughts and questions. <laughs> it's, it's actually like from the science side of things. I went in, I've observed a few REs in their environment doing their thing. And it's like, it's almost like a spiritual process. It's yeah. really weird. Yeah. I was like, whoa. I mean, I like, just felt talk the about playing God. Of, like, that's yeah. like, whoa. That's, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. messes with my brain. <laughs> <laughs> my brain is scrambling. I'm like, wait, yeah. wait, how? Yeah. That's crazy. Okay. So, so if you, if you have the option to freeze embryos, that's a much that's better option. I, if you freeze embryos below the age, I think it's like below the age of 30 or 35, there's like an 80% chance that they turn into a baby, wow. which is stellar. Like you want those kinds of chances. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, let's say you don't have a partner, then option B is, well, you're going to freeze the, freeze the eggs that you have. Definitely after you freeze them, they, you'll be paying the bank to like bank these embryos. Um, and then let's say you froze at 35 and you go back in at 42 and you're like, hey, I want to use those eggs I froze. They unfreeze the eggs probably the chances that a lot of those eggs were not even good quality to begin with mm -hmm. um, 
we're not we won't know until they actually meet them with the sperm to see if they fertilize wow so then you might have let's say 50 percent of those are like yeah they didn't even make it to day three they were like not great embryos or not great eggs yeah um then you have five left (laughs) let's say you have five or ten left right at that point the 10 they start to um, develop and see how many make it to day three most clinics are using day three or day five embryos so one or the other depending on which clinic you're at Um, and then they'll implant them into your body and by 42 your body has been exposed to way more stress most women who freeze their eggs maybe i shouldn't generalize but what i've seen a lot of times is that like the tendency of well i've frozen my eggs so i don't really need to worry about this anymore i'm gonna drink and party and Mm. smoke and do all of the things that i feel like doing until i am ready to have a baby so let's assume that she hasn't taken care of her body she's stressed out she works in a high-paced environment and has like put so much pressure on her. She herself. has adrenal fatigue. All of right. her hormones Adre- are jacked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. And this is really common. Mm-hmm. So she goes in at 42 and they're like, great, let's use your eggs that you have frozen. The likelihood of her uterus, the quality of her uterus, the inflammation that it's been exposed to, is it actually ready to implant an egg that was retrieved seven to 10 years ago? Probably not. Unlikely that, let's say they implant five embryos. The likelihood that one of them takes is 10% at best, 20% maybe, Mm. um, out of the five that you already used up. Let's say nothing happens. Then you go back in for another round. More hormones. (laughs) Do it all over again. You're researching all of this at this point in time for you. You're kind of like, what are my options? I want to make sure that I make it out of this marriage with viable eggs so that I can have kids (laughs) with future partners. But at this time you were in your 30s already. Is that why you were digging into this so much? Yeah. I think I was like 30... 32 maybe turning 33 soon so yeah not quite 35 but definitely getting to that age where I was aware that I wanted to have children Mm -hmm. the good thing about that relationship was I realized within that relationship that I really wanted to have kids but not with him (laughs) you know and that happens that is very very common um I have a a lot of good friends and actually I was what am I talking about I also did that um where I I didn't get married but I was engaged way too early and I was like oh I could see myself having kids one day but not with this person like I don't think that and I've had friends who thought that they literally did not want children, like were Liz Gilbert solid on not wanting kids, felt completely (laughs) like complete in their life and satisfied and fulfilled, et cetera. 
And then they met the right person and they were like, I don't know what happened. I don't really want to explain it or think about it, but I want kids yesterday with this person. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that, that, that like the clicking, the, what are they, the ticking clock is yeah. a real thing, it happens. right? It hits and you. It's, yeah. it's like hits you out of nowhere and you're like, whoa, okay, maybe I do want kids. Yeah. And I thought I was one of those people that I was never into kids when I was younger. I was like, eh, whatever. Yeah. To keep them away from me. And I'll then the friends cool had aunt. kids. <laughs> friends had kids. And I was like, yeah, I can be the cool aunt. And then I was with this guy that I was married to. And I was like, maybe I want to have kids now, but definitely not with him. Mm. And that's when I was like, okay, I need to really look into what yeah. are my options. So I, I opted for doing all the things that I could do to preserve the eggs inside my body. And um, all of those things, I, I kind of laid it out in the book as well. Um, but really like balancing the hormones, taking care of the gut, and making sure that you're getting good sleep, good antioxidants, like all of those things that will help um, help you have a baby in the future. And so I did all of those things. Um, met, I met my now husband like three weeks after the divorce. Oh, hello. <laughs> and hello everyone, universe. Thank you for being yeah, timely. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for like, we're just trying to make babies here. Yeah. <laughs> so he, uh, yeah. So I met him like really quickly after most people were like, Oh, he's probably not the one like you're just getting out of a marriage well that's what I was gonna say this and is a nosy like, question so you're like right yeah. out of the marriage like when you met him three weeks later was it like him being introduced to your life or were you like no damn like he's the one like did you have like a feeling about him when you met him so we met online yeah. and um we had started chatting online we were talking on the phone for like four hours every day yeah so you already you had an inkling yeah you <laughs> right? had a strong inkling <laughs> And I hadn't met him at that point. So we, we chatted and talked on the phone and like that went on for a few weeks. And then I was like, okay, are we ever going to meet? Because we yeah. should meet if this is going to happen. You need to take this IRL ASAP, okay? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So we met and, and then there were some complications. Some complications. <laughs> he was not free available <laughs> yeah okay let's he was just, not available let's just say that yeah and and like he kind of we had we met we had lots of good conversation and then he left and then called the next day the very next morning and was like we need to meet I need to tell you something. We got to talk. And I was like, um, okay, well, I'm in Berkeley today, which is like 45 miles from where he was. And, and he's like, oh, no, that's fine. I'm going to come drive out and I'll just see you in a couple hours. And oh, I was man. like, You're okay, like, what does he have to tell are me? Are you coming to tell me you're married? And you could just tell me that on just the phone. Just tell me on the like, phone, man. <laughs> yeah. So he comes down, we have this conversation, and he's like, oh, um, so I'm not in a relationship, but I still live with my ex. 
And I was like, like bah, bah. Uh, okay, so you go work that out. And yeah. when you're ready, give me a holler. And if it's too late, it's too late. You missed out on some golden eggs. Sorry, man. <laughs> yeah. And then two weeks later, he was like, I'm really clear that we're going to be together and that you're the one. And I've worked it out. And I was like, oh, okay. That was faster than I expected. Awesome. Way um, to pull through, man. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And then we got, we got, we didn't actually get married till much later. It's yeah. Like four years later. That feels um, wise. Yeah. <laughs> like, You're like, given the way it started, let's just, yeah, let's just take our time here. No rush. Yeah. 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 Um, and then we, we actually got, so he had wanted to have a child like months into the relationship. He's like, I'm ready. Let's have a child. And I was like, you already have kids. I didn't even think you'd want kids. Let me wrap my head around this. (laughs) Um, so he, um, he did, he was very clear from the beginning and then, for me, I was like, maybe in a year, maybe in two years. Um, and he just was like, you know, ha- do it, let me know when you're ready, basically. Um, and then, like, bef- just before we got pregnant, every few times that we were having our moments, you like, so <laughs> should we, should we try? Should we have a baby? And you're like, should uh, we have a baby? And I was like, no, no, I'm not ready yet. Hilarious. No, no, no. And then finally, like the time, the one time that I was like, okay, we can start trying. Boom, we were pregnant. Oh, that's that's what that's what happened to us because we did natural family planning for yeah. three years. I mean, I took out my copper IUD as soon as we got married because it was wreaking havoc on my body, and that's a totally different story. Um, that was the only form of birth control I've ever used other than natural family planning. Yeah. And so once I was married, I was like, bro, we're married. Like we are, we have jobs. We are respectable ages. Like if I get knocked up by accident at this point, like I would rather that than what is happening to me every month with totally. this IUD. And so I got it out. We started cycling and it worked like a charm as it does. 99% accurate. You guys, when you do it correctly, um, and then like we got back from, we took time off and went and traveled the world for six months. Cause that was like, we had had a solid conversation about starting kids over a lot of wine one night. And we were like, okay, like, what do we still want to do before we like <laughs> open the floodgates on the kid yeah. thing? Like, what do we yeah. want to do? And we both wanted to travel. So we like laid out a plan. And I think six months from that night, we left to go travel, traveled for six months, got back, signed the lease on a tiny, adorable one bedroom, a studio apartment in Nashville. <laughs> And he came home after a couple of cocktails and was like, Hey, you want me to put a baby in you? And I was like, well, it is a red day. So, you know, yeah, sure. And so what I thought was like dirty talk ended up, I was pregnant immediately. immediately (laughs) That's awesome. What, how old are you when that happened? Uh, 28. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or no, 29. I'll be 30. I'm going to be 30 in July. And I now have a seven week old. So, (laughs) 
<laughs> which is fine. We, that was an, yeah, initially we were going to start trying in August and I got yeah. pregnant in May. So, or April, like right at the yeah. end of April. Yeah. 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 So it was just a little earlier, but we already, we talked about it. We both had baby fever really bad. Like by that time we were on the same page Yeah, and it just happened <laughs> just like that, but oh it doesn't goodness. always happen like that. So no, you, know, you never know not. until you start trying. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. So I, um, yeah, you don't know until you start trying. And I think at least for me, I, it was for a year prior to that, me saying yes, I had actually been preparing my body, doing all the things because I was afraid that I was going to be one of those people that it was going to be like super challenging. Yeah. For. Like you say yes. And then three <laughs> years later, you're still trying to have a baby and you're like, yes. oh man, I wish I'd started this yes. sooner. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I thought, I totally thought that was going to be me. And I think I was like 37 on the cusp of 38. So I was definitely like, okay, I'm older. I've got all the things working against me. She sneezed. <laughs> Cute. You hear like a baby in the background and we both are like freezing. We're like, wait, is she okay? I think she's. She's still asleep. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had, I definitely knew that I had some issues that I needed to work on for myself before I even tried getting pregnant. And then um, I was doing all the um, like egg quality boosting things that I know to do um, for a year before we okay. got pregnant. So let's talk about that because yeah. I know for a fact that. Um, I mean, even as holistic and like super hippie as I am, and like, I'm super up to speed on, I know a lot more than the average person about hormones and like how those all work and how to support them and balance them and all of that. And then I was reading your book and you started talking about egg quality and I was like, Oh shit. Like I did not know about that. Like I didn't, I've never heard anything about that. Um, can you, yeah. I mean, like if you, if you dig, like people are talking about it, especially very smart people, but such as yourself, but it's like, (laughs) that's not common. And a lot of like 30 year old women, when they sit down to talk about having a baby, they're not, they're not thinking about the quality of their eggs. I think it's Mm -hmm. more like, especially in the face of, all the information out there about freezing eggs, it's very much more a quantity over quality, like conversation. Yeah. yeah. So could you like dive into the, the bit about quality and like yeah. the things you were doing to mm-hmm. improve the quality of your eggs? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a few things we should, we should also say that egg quality is also just as important as sperm quality. So we don't, we, I feel like that gets left out of the conversation. So I always like come, to plant yeah, that I was like, seed. we can come back and talk about sperm yeah. quality too. So let's, let's address her Guys, and then, and the then hook. we're going to talk about the dudes and be like, this is how to make sure his sperm is good to go. Also. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so egg quality, there's really not a great way to measure it. So we have some tools that we can measure the number of eggs, but not necessarily the quality of those eggs. So you might have 30 eggs, but if none of them are viable enough to make turn into a baby, then they're not very useful. They're okay for when you're not trying to get pregnant, but once you're trying we need some good eggs. They're like so, egg salad eggs. They're not sunny side up <laughs> eggs. <laughs> yeah. You don't want them to go. You want to boil those and put them in something. You don't want to. Yeah. 
That was gross. Sorry. That's a disgusting visual. <laughs> oh my goodness. This is hilarious, by the way. Thank carry, you. Yeah, carry on. That was gross. Really. I was like, sorry for what you just pictured. I, I like thought through it after I said it. I was like, that is really, really gross. So the main things about egg quality that I think about is nutri- nutrients and egg quality is driven a lot by um, the mitochondria that are there. Eggs eggs in the woman's body have um, 200 times the number of mitochondria that are in all the other cells in the body. Wow. So we have a concentration of these mitochondria, which are basically like little energy powerhouses. So the way to feed them are with antioxidants um, that help support the mitochondria to function better. And then two other tools that I'll talk about in a little bit. So in terms of nutrients, um, things like CoQ10, acetyl-L-carnitine, NAC, um, vitamin C, what else? Um, alpha lipoic acid, green tea, which I think is a really good antioxidant um, that's really easy to integrate in addition to because you can drink it as a tea. Um, so all of those vitamins that can help increase the, the way that these energy powerhouses work, which will then um, help to increase the quality of that egg and the quality of the egg is really just how well or how likely is an egg able to be fertilized and does it have the right genetic material to turn into a baby Mm. and if it doesn't have the right genetic material usually it won't it either won't get fertilized or won't implant and last so Often women who have chemical pregnancies or a recurrent pregnancy loss are really looking at like, hey, maybe the quality of these eggs isn't as good as it should be and we can help to um, increase the quality of those eggs, which is then going to have a better pregnancy outcome. So from the from like a whole foods standpoint, right? So those were awesome, like supplements and things. Everybody back it up and like write that stuff down. Um, Also, I might, when we're done, I might uh, grab just if you have recommendations for like the actual supplements that you tell people to use, um, I'm happy to link any of that in the show notes for everybody. Um, But from a whole food standpoint, what would like an egg fortifying meal look like? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Hmm. So it would be definitely a small amount of protein, whether if you're vegetarian, beans, if you're not, then meat, whatever you like. Ethically Um, sourced, no hormones, people. Exactly. I was just going to say like (laughs) organic, free range, hormone free. Or the absolute best that you can do. Also that. Yeah. Yeah. Also that. Um, And so a small amount of meat, lots of vegetables, and ideally those vegetables will be some sort of leafy green vegetable and then a variety of colors. So I always say like as much as you can eat on the rainbow, the better. Um, So a load of vegetables, probably like two or three times what's the portion of the meat. Um, And then you want 
so a small amount of complex carbs. There is there are a lot of people that go gluten free when they're trying to get pregnant. Gluten is one thing, but you don't have to cut out all the grains. And getting a variety of grains is probably a good idea. So like cutting um, out processed gluten items like right. pasta and bread and things like that is one totally. thing but then yeah. keeping like amaranth and quinoa and quinoa stuff like that like a lot of that doesn't have gluten yeah. in it anyway yeah exactly so getting some good unprocessed whole grains a small amount is a really good idea so that would be a good balanced meal and then dessert would be some sort of berries yeah. Um, because again, that high antioxidants, yeah. okay. lots, loads, loads and loads of antioxidants that we can't mimic with supplements. You're getting a ton of them that don't even have names yet, let alone a pill to yeah. go with it. <laughs> um, so what are some things, um, while we're talking about stuff to, to eat or things we're putting in our bodies. Yeah. So what are yeah. some things that other than gluten, you just said gluten. So then if you're a healthy person and you are, she's alive here now. Just look at her. Look at her. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you, yeah, James, James has made it onto the scene. She has joined, she has joined the conversation. She's very interested. Um, and knowing what other than gluten are some things that you would tell people to avoid or to limit just healthy people who are like thinking ahead into fertility and, and all of that. Yeah. So I would really limit, you don't have to cut it out altogether, but limit coffee and caffeine. My rule of thumb is if you feel like you need it to function, then don't drink it. If you're having it for just taste and flavor and like, oh, this is my ritual, but I can cut it out if I don't, if I need to, then it's fine. But that like, I can't function till I have my cup of coffee is usually an indicator of adrenal fatigue. Um, So if you're in that place, get help now. Fix your adrenals. <laughs> like, don't wait till you try to have a baby. One eight hundred coffee addicts, Java junkies. <laughs> hey, I we might got need support to buy for that. you. Yeah, <laughs> we will support you totally. Um, so, um, making sure that your kind of um, yeah. So the coffee thing is good. Water. Um, it's probably like one of my most given tips. Every first conversation I have with a client is like, drink more water. Most people are not drinking enough water. Yeah. So um, at least half your body weight in ounces. And then for every cup of coffee, add four cups. And for every cup of tea, add two cups. That is a good rule and one that I did not know. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I need to be doing that because I, I don't do a lot anyway, but I still am drinking like one to two cups of coffee every day at like 5 a.m. when I get up to <laughs> – that was a diaper being filled up – when I get up to um, nurse the baby. But obviously, yeah. like you don't want to overdo caffeine because it messes with your supply. Yes. Um, and so yeah. I do drink a lot of water, but knowing that I need to supplement that much more water when you're putting in caffeine is yes. very helpful. So yes, definitely yes. That. yeah, because you're it's um, basically caffeine and a tea, even um, non-caffeinated teas are diuretics. Yeah. So they're making you more dehydrated and you don't even realize it. So um, that's the rule of thumb there. The other thing we can cut out is alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um 
it, you know, it's a little bit of a bummer, but it's not that bad. If you just need to heal it get pregnant, you should probably just look at your relationship. Uh. <laughs> I've never phrased it that way, but that might be interesting uh, to figure yeah. out. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I always tell people my other end of that joke is to keep the condoms next to the tequila when you're doing like <laughs> natural family planning, because that's when you're red day, green day. If you're too drunk to know what color day it is, then... <laughs> You might not need some protection. So alcohol. In terms of other things to avoid, dairy is Mm -hmm. probably at the top of my list, mostly because of the amount of hormones that the animals are exposed to. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't know necessarily which dairy has been exposed to what, what antibiotics are coming into the, the dairy that you're consuming. So all around dairy is probably not a good thing in the US. If you're yeah. in, if you're in a Europe. different country, <laughs> yes. um, it might very well be okay, but um, a lot of the studies show that dairy is not great for fertility. Yeah. And well, hormone balance and I think in general. When it yeah, when it comes to hormones and fertility and the woman's body, generally anything inflammatory or often thought of as inflammatory is going to need yeah. to go or be severely limited while you're in this process. Yeah. 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 And the other thing I would avoid is like a lot of fried food. You don't mm-hmm. have to avoid it altogether, but um, definitely cutting back would be a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. So moving over to the, to the other side of the aisle to address the guys, cause the gals, like we're going to, everyone's going to be like standing on their head, eating blueberries, <laughs> like cutting out caffeine and whatever. So like, what do the boys need to do to get the boys as strong and healthy as possible? Yeah. So, um, all of the things that we just talked about, it's, okay. it's the same. It's like, I think we make it more complicated than it is. The swimmers are just as susceptible to antioxidants or lack thereof um, as the eggs are. Is having like your laptop and warm things on your crotch a thing? Is that a thing? It's a thing. So the exposure to heat as well as the EMFs, there's a lot of studies saying that that is going to cause a decline in sperm quality as well as quantity um so definitely not on your lap so i mean i know that emf like there's basically that's not good for you in general like for everybody so but for like women and egg viability and stuff like would you want to keep your cell phone like away from you and laptops and things like that like does that have a direct impact or is that more of like just a overall health practice that you should be doing i think it's a good health practice um, the number of studies for women specifically, I haven't seen. And I think the eggs are a little bit more protected because they're so deep into our bodies. Yeah. Whereas the testicles are like hanging out, you know, like yeah. they're right there. Um, <laughs> so definitely guys do not, should not put phones in their pockets. Like if even moving it to the back pocket is enough to make a difference. Hmm. So putting it in the front, not a good idea. Putting laptops on your um, your yeah. lap, not a good idea. Um, in terms of other, since we're talking about tech in general, being exposed to EMFs while you sleep is really not good. Um, it has shown to affect the melatonin cortisol balance in the body. And that can... Melatonin is a really potent 
internal antioxidants. So if you're not making melatonin like you should, that's going to have a huge impact on your fertility overall. Mm. And so, we could do a whole, and I probably should do a whole episode <laughs> on blue light and how you can cut yes. back on that and everything. But an easy yes. thing is to just put the screens away at least an hour before going to bed and put your phone on airplane mode if you need your yes. alarm or whatever in your room. That's yes. kind of what we do over here and that keeps it simple, but you can really nerd out. There's a lot of stuff you can do with blue light blocking glasses and totally. um, all kinds of other cool tools. There's ways to biohack everything now, uh, if you know where to look, but yeah, yeah, I think, but I think that's, that's a simple, that's a simple way to do it is just to kind of cut down on that screen time before you're cut going down. to bed and, and keep your phones, um, where they're not emitting any frequencies while you're sleeping, especially for people who keep them next to their heads. Exactly. Yeah, that's me too. So I've, I have been talking about it and reading about it enough that I'm finally like, okay, we can't, we can't (laughs) do this anymore. (laughs) I cannot have this phone next to me while I sleep. Exactly. Um, Yeah. So that's, it's been a good change and blue light blocking glasses are really easy to find nowadays. And they're not, they're not crazy expensive. Now the ones that are like $15, I say those are probably not as effective, but like a fair, from what I've, the brands that I'm aware of, a fair price point is around 30 to $70 um, that you can find quality and they do make a difference. Like even if you just look at a computer screen, all day, like your eyes get very fatigued. And I've mm-hmm. noticed that just using them when I'm on the computer in general, um, yeah. will, Makes will a help difference. a lot. Yeah. yeah. And then I've totally. got the, I have the orange screen. Basically I've got an app on my computer and my phone. So at a certain time of day, my, all of the blue light goes out of my screens and they yeah. go orange, yeah. Um, yeah. which helps. But awesome. so I want to be, I want to make sure that I'm I'm clear and that I'm giving clear answers to my girlfriends who are like sitting around biting their nails, like waiting for yeah. this information. Mm-hmm. So when you're trying to get pregnant, you're with the one you are like ready yesterday to have a baby, you're working on it and you want to be sure that your eggs are like tip top shape. We're going to mm-hmm. follow the protocol and like look for those, um, you know, those, those things, make those changes to our diets yeah. and to our supplementation and all of that. So then if you are the 35 year old who doesn't have a partner, you know, you want kids. Are you following the same protocol? Basically you're following the same things, just being extra mindful that you're not, um, or how should I phrase this? Like making sure that your hormones are in check all throughout your body. So adrenals, we've talked about a fair bit. Thyroid is a big one. And then are female hormones. So if you're experiencing PMS or you have cramps or breast tenderness or like any of the symptoms, those are good red flags to think like, oh, something is out of whack and I should look into it. And it's not to like freak you out or anything. It's just more the things that you can do to be prepared now so that four or five years down the line, when you are ready to have a baby, it's not an issue. Your body already knows how to do the things. The other thing is um, uh, really like birth control. There, there's like so much debate about whether or not it affects fertility. From so I'm in the camp that it absolutely does. Uh, people yeah. are absolutely allowed. All of all opinions are welcome. All perspectives are totally welcome. Um, however, 
I'm the one running this show. So we can talk about, <laughs> we can talk about what you think. I'm interested in hearing that. Yeah. Um, so my thought is that each woman, we can have like individual conversations with, does it make sense for you to be on birth control? Which kind of birth control? But in general, I would say, yes, it's probably impacting our fertility in more ways than we really know and are willing to accept. So if it's in our wheelhouse to pay attention to our cycles, get our cycles regular and um, do family natural family planning, that's the ideal um, because even there are those like small percent of women that will get pregnant right after they have get off the birth control, right? However, that's not the norm. The norm is actually, it's going to take a year or so before your cycles are regulated. It might take another year before your uterine uterus is up to actually doing a actual shedding of the uterine lining and replenishing of the uterine lining, which is really important if you're going to be able to get pregnant. So it takes a couple of years to do a reset from being on hormones. Um, and most women don't realize that. So they get off their birth control, they give it the five or six months or whatever of trying, and they're like, oh my God, it's still not happening, and my hormones are all over the place, and my periods suck, and I have all this pain that I didn't have before. And it's like, yeah, well, you've been on birth control for 15 years. You don't actually know what it's like to have a real cycle. Yeah. Your body has for all no that time. idea. Like what you to haven't do. been ovulating, and yes. yeah. Well, and yeah. I think I think that's the perfect segue as far as just like things that can get in the way of fertility once you have kind of figured out like what you should be doing and you think that your eggs are pretty healthy and you're trying and yet yes. nothing is happening. In your book, you discuss um, more from the mind-body aspect, just the, yes. the emotional and um, mental things that contribute to not being able to get pregnant. Would you mind sharing some of those with us? Yes. Yeah. So I think that from the mind-body aspect, there's a couple of things. One is the kind of energy balance between the masculine and feminine. And we both, we have all, both of those energies within us. Everybody does. Men and women have Men both and women. masculine and feminine inside of them. Correct. <laughs> yes. Correct. Thank you for repeating that. No, I like to make um, sure that everyone listening is very clear. Like we're saying that men and women, no matter how you identify, um, right. we, we all, all of us have yes. a masculine and feminine energy working together inside of us. Yeah, exactly. And for the pattern that I've seen for a lot of the women that we work with is uh, like we work with these really super high powered women that are amazing and rocking it in their careers and their life and all of the things, but they're so far driven into the masculine because that's our culture. Like we don't have a culture where women can be feminine and still be accepted in the workplace, in the business world, in the like rocking shit. That's a very unlikely business model. <laughs> uh, there are, there's 
Um, I was really inspired by Elisa Vitti. Do you yeah, know her? I do. I love her. Her um, new book is In the Flow is, is awesome. incredible. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Cycle thinking. Yeah. And she was talking about like in their business, they actually have these like feminine driven um, practices. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, this is like this should happen with every company around the world. It's I try to do that for myself, but yeah. she, I think she was the other, the first person I also that I heard say basically that instead of most places being like that, uh, most of us are still working off of the format that was based around the male 24 hour like cycle yeah. essentially yeah. is what yeah. we're all running on women <laughs> and everyone. <laughs> yeah. And when we're running on this male cycle, which is basically get up, go to work, work really hard, go work out and then crash. And, and their cycle is able to reset with that because that's the pattern of testosterone. But for women, we're not driven by testosterone. We can use testosterone. We should have a little bit of testosterone. But to be on a testosterone cycle when that's not the predominant hormone is what leads to burnout. And it's also what leads to all of our hormone imbalances. So when we're in a really masculine energy state, it's, it's, um, really predictable with the way that we are showing up in our life. So if, if our mode of operation is like, here are all the things I need to accomplish and here's how I'm going to do it. And here's how I'm going to get there. We're probably a little bit more masculine than we should be um, versus the feminine approach, which it can show up differently for different people. So this is not like everyone should do this, but to be able to be more in the flow and to allow for space to rejuvenate and, and like practice that active restoration that the feminine really needs um, is really important. And then the other thing is the ability to receive. And that is like, women are so driven to like, how do I give? How do I give? How do I be of service? And that shows up within our relationship. It shows up at work. It's like women are just the givers. But the ability to receive, it's what's going to make us pregnant. So And give you an orgasm. So <laughs> yes. yes, very and important. That. <laughs> <laughs> so if we're not able to receive energy and it, it often I'll ask women um, in their, in our first conversations, it'll be like, so um, when was the last time you got a gift or a, a, someone gave you a compliment and what was your response? And they'll usually say, oh, you didn't have to do that. Or yeah, you look great too. And we mm -hmm. deflect to the other person. Yeah. And that is our, that's basically on some small level, inability to receive. So often the homework assignment, and anybody can do this, is to actively receive. And I, I had started realizing that I was super in my masculine and needed a shift. And then I met my now husband, who is actually super masculine. And he pointed out really quickly, he was like, you don't ever slow down. 
and you don't have time for a relationship. And he really He's like, just, and like, I know I'm in a relationship of, with you. <laughs> <laughs> he like called me out on all of these things. And I was like, oh my gosh, he's totally right. Like, how do I become more feminine? And his way is like, he would always get me gifts and like just made me super uncomfortable. And well, is that your love language? Is gift giving your love language? I love getting gifts. Yeah. So yeah. And he also loves getting gifts and giving gifts. So it's both for him, one for me. Oh, okay. I I don't really love giving gifts. I think acts of service is the way that I show love. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he, so initially it would make me uncomfortable. And then when I realized this pattern of like not being able to receive, I was like, okay, I just have to learn and practice this actively. It's not something that comes natural. Mm. So I started practicing it and I would just be like, thank you. And leaving it at that. Just, just thanks nothing so else. much. <laughs> yes. And um, and then like going moving through that initial discomfort and then actually like opening into, wow, this is really beautiful and it's amazing. And like the gratitude that I can feel from that experience. Um, and I started like stepping into that more. But my tip for all of the listeners is just to really like actively practice receiving whether it's a gift whether it's a compliment like don't deflect don't point out how awesome the other person is when they give you a compliment don't downplay it oh thanks (laughs) i got them at target these old things they're on sale whatever right right thank you you're so kind (laughs) yes exactly exactly um so and and like being able to receive those small things will step you into the bigger thing of being able to receive the baby. Mm. Um, and then the last it, or the other mind body thing that comes up a lot is trauma. And those traumas can be sexual abuse, um, trauma from having gotten pregnant by mistake and having had an abortion, um, like the guilt or whatever those like stuck emotions are. And then definitely the trauma of losing a baby. Um, and we subspecialize in recurrent pregnancy loss. So women who have had found it okay enough time to get pregnant, but then keep having a miscarriage, often those emotions are getting stuck in right into the uterus. Mm. And every time they get pregnant, it triggers right away and the, they go into panic mode, which then kicks out Their a bunch body, of stress like hormones. Yeah. yeah. That then Ugh. makes it not happen again. Yeah. So um, really like the mindfulness around all the emotional stuff that can be stuck in our bodies and just, using tools to release it like it doesn't need it there's no it's thank you yes there's a the service of it being a reminder that something happened Mm. but we don't need to wear it like a badge right we don't need to like hold on to this trauma in our bodies so um really like 
the tool that we use is called body talk or body intuitive, which is basically like connect with the person's body that we're working on. Like, where are these emotions stuck and let's get rid of them. Mm. Um, and it helps to kind of dive right into like, Oh, it's stuck here in this particular place. Um, instead of like, Oh, generalized sense of shame or guilt or yeah, or whatever it is. Um, it's like we all have the emotions, but if they're stuck into some part of our body, it the energy is not flowing there. And you share several um, stories and examples, you know, in the book about that. Yeah. Would you mind sharing maybe one of those cases, one of those yeah. people you can think of who came to you and how you found that and addressed it? Yeah. So the the most like standout case is well, actually, there's so many. Which one do I want to pick? <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll share a woman's case since I'm assuming a lot of your it listeners is primarily are ladies. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my favorite, she's awesome. This woman is basically like our ideal client in a package. She walks into my clinic. Um, she was referred by an acupuncturist and she sits down to, within 10 minutes. She's like looking on on her phone, like how, how much longer are we going to be? Like, I need to get back to San Francisco where I work in like 30 minutes. And I was like, you just got here. And this is a first appointment. That's two hours long. She's like, chop, chop. <laughs> Tell me how to get a baby yeah. and get me out of here. Yeah, basically. She's like, can we just like make this happen right now? And I was like, <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't quite work like that. Um, so we went through, I'm treating her for several weeks. Um, or actually, it's probably a couple months by this point. And we needed to schedule an appointment for her on a weekend because this woman does not have time. So um, we did a video consultation on the weekend. And I, I like got an inside look into her house, which is all white. like. Everything was white. It Every was literally possible. like so perfectly oh. white. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> and I didn't say it, but in my head, I'm thinking, wow, like, how do you keep all of this super white, yeah. right? And I was like, so what's going to happen once you have a baby? Like, this is not going to survive. You see that white couch behind you? <laughs> yeah. It's going to be the not first thing last. to go. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and she was like, oh, well, yeah, but I don't have a baby yet. And I'm like, yes. And we want to start planning or preparing like as if you do. Yeah. Like energetically, and you want to be saying that you are open <laughs> and welcoming to a baby. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and and then she starts telling me about a, a situation where she was um upset with her husband and she's like he moved my cup or some something that was on a table that he had moved she started flipping out about it and she, and i was like so when did this happen and she was like oh you know like three weeks ago oh no and i was like <laughs> you're so upset about something your husband like moved to a different side three like, weeks girl ago? we gotta unwind some of that <laughs> yeah totally so um she keeps going she goes on and on and on and i was like okay i got it i understand fully what is happening here you are a perfectionist 
And I think, like, I had some word that I used for her. Um, You're a high achiever. (laughs) Yes, she's definitely something positive. Yeah, but no, it was in the moment. Like what I had said was not so positive. Okay, you were like, "Listen, I'm gonna have to give you some tough love right now." (laughs) You're just, you're just crazy. (laughs) So so she's like, um, and whatever word I used, I can't remember it right now. perfectionist but something to that effect and she just started crying Mm. and she was like yeah this is me like I have been this way my entire life I do not remember a time when things didn't have to be perfect in order for me to live in there in the world and I was like wow okay I got it I got you we go, we got this figured out. And um, I ended up giving her a homeopathic remedy, which is another tool to help balance the mind body. So I gave her this remedy. And um, she, her husband actually called a few weeks later, and he was like, what did you give to my wife? And I was like, oh, shit, what happened? (laughs) And he's like, whatever it is, I just want a whole gallon of it. I need like a lifetime supply and I don't ever want to run out again. So obviously you can't give like a homeopathic remedy for um, someone being anal. So like, is was it for anxiety? Like what was it? No, no, no. It was, it is the remedy for for being a perfectionist. perfectionist. It is like the perfectionist remedy. What is in it? so homeopathics are always like extracts mm-hmm. of plant, mineral, like things in our nature. Mm-hmm. Um, they get extracted and then diluted hundreds of thousands of times. Um, but there are like 5,000 remedies available. So wow. you got to pick the right one to really have that impact. That's crazy. And so I was like, so I'm talking to her husband and I was like, what do you notice? What happened? And he says, she's chill. She's off my ass. Like, who is this woman? This is not the person I married. And I like this person way more. Like the extract from this flower <laughs> makes you less of an asshole. Like, that's amazing. That's incredible. Yeah. So and much she, information. <laughs> so, so I talked to her like a week after that and She's like, yeah, I just feel more chill. I'm not trying to be a perfectionist anymore. Um, my husband managed to find a job. And I was like, You're like what? Oh, wait. And <laughs> so she basically, like, energetically, what she had been doing, whether she was doing it physically or not is a different story. But energetically, she was just basically, like, grabbing him by his balls and, like, telling him what to do every second of his life. So when yeah. she chilled out and took a step back, he was like, oh, time for me to step into my masculine. And it was literally that simple. Well, and a lot of, a lot of perfectionists, that, that need for everything to be perfect, it's, <sighs> it's control. And that comes yeah. from, that's how they feel safe. So if yeah. they have felt unsafe at any point and then controlling the situation makes them feel safe. And so she was doubting that he was going to make her safe and so she controlled him so that she could continue to feel totally totally and he he had like given into that and just accepted that that's who she was but yeah when he realized like oh this could be different 
he was like, oh yeah, I'll take that any yeah. day. So he stepped up um, for her and so he she was up. able to, like, okay, <laughs> then, I trust you to take care of me <laughs> and to maybe be an adequate father for our baby. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so this 42 year old woman who had been trying to get pregnant for five years by the time she was referred to me, um, got pregnant like three weeks after that. Oh my remedy. gosh. That's crazy. <laughs> crazy town. <laughs> and crazy. granted we, you know, I mentioned, as I mentioned, we had already done a bunch of stuff for her, but yeah, like this energetic shift really was the thing that was going to be able to, um, help her get pregnant. And mm. she, I think the baby's probably like four or five now at this point. Wow. Uh, yeah. So, well, uh, I think so I want to, yeah, I want to circle us back to, so you, as we've been going, you've been kind of sharing your own journey. Now yeah. your book, you know, I, I read your book and by the time I got to the end of the book, I was like, okay, so like she knew all this stuff. She left her marriage. She found another guy and like, <laughs> I, did she have a baby? So for she everyone who's listening, did she have a baby? She did. Yes. And how old uh, is he? He's a year and a half. Oh, so and yummy. he is just so delicious. Like, oh my God. Don't so you want to eat him? Don't you he's... want to? I'm like, I want to, oh, her baby breath. I'm like, I just want to jump down her throat. Like, <laughs> and nobody who doesn't, anyone who does not have a child, like you will not understand that. It sounds disgusting. And you're like, no, I just, I want to, I just want to consume be like, her. Oh, this so much. <laughs> it's so great there yeah it's amazing and I had the baby at 38 like so for all of you 32 year old friends of mine who are losing your shit like calm the fuck down okay (laughs) 38 had a healthy baby also you guys can't see her but her skin is luminous (laughs) she is like the picture of health yeah. Uh, well, I got lots of white hair, let's say. I thought you did that on purpose, to be honest. So <laughs> I thought you were making a statement. I thought you were like going well, platinum. In um, that case, thank it's you very beautiful. Much. Just keep it. <laughs> Just keep it. It looks like you did it on purpose. Uh, uh, yeah. So you did have yes. a baby and that's going great. And how so this is this is just me straight asking you, how do you feel like your postpartum experience was since you were so mm. like balanced and healthy going into it? You've done all this prep work to have the baby. So then after he yeah. came, do you feel like that impacted your postpartum experience? Um, I think I had some challenges and they were mostly internal. Mm-hmm. Um I had issues with breastfeeding that never really yeah. turned around. Breastfeeding is hard as um, shit. It is not oh my fun. God. It is not yeah. glam. It is not, no, and he, it is he not a Hallmark card. He wanted to latch. He <laughs> yeah. was just like, nope, I'm not doing this. And yeah. then they like, before we even left the hospital, because I was a high-risk pregnancy, high-risk Because birth. you were geriatric. Isn't that <laughs> yeah. delightful? So when you're over geriatric. 30, you're geriatric. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, yep. That's so what I was told. So, um, even before we left the hospital, they had started him on a bottle. So wow. by the time he, we like tried more breastfeeding and consultants and all of those things, it was just like, he was like, this shit is too hard. Yeah. Like I've got a bottle. Like, I know Why there's would an I easier do way. This? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why would I do this? So that was, that was a little bit rough. The first six weeks were kind of like 
a whirlwind dedicated to that whole challenge. Um, and then just like wrapping my head around, wait, my schedule's got to change and I can't work as much as I used to. And like, how do I shift even into even more like feminine practice of not being the go-getter and trying to like do all, change the world and take over the world and whatever I was into. Yeah. Um, so it was a good little mental shift, but I think overall it was amazing. Like yeah. within a few weeks, I think I was just like, after I gave up on the whole breastfeeding thing and like spent time with the baby, I was just yep. like, oh. Once you let go of like those expectations uh, and those judgments like, you have of what kind of a mother it makes you, if you're not yeah. breastfeeding and all of that, mm-hmm, like you can mm-hmm. just be free to enjoy yeah. like the, the fun parts about it. him. And yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. 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 So it's been, it's been quite the treat. And yeah. the more like, I think if I started out with not necessarily like, mm, I think some moms like start with just being totally in love with the baby. And then some moms like myself, Mm -hmm. maybe not quite so much. It's like, oh, I have this weird little human that relies on me. (laughs) Um, But the more time I spend into him, like with him and the more he's growing up, the more it's like, oh my god like this little human is so amazing yeah and just just like falling more and more in love with him it's crazy wow so I I want to to wrap up by talking just a little bit more about the book so the book um I felt like Fertility Secrets it was um a really beautiful thoughtful well-rounded in my opinion but like along the lines of the work you're doing, obviously the mind body approach to educating people on fertility and how to support themselves. Is there anything in particular that you would like um, people to know about the book? Is there anything you'd like to highlight? James wants to know if there's anything you would like to highlight about the book. Um, What would I like to highlight? I mean, we had on some magical stuff out of yeah, it, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like we talked about some of the amazing yeah. things. Um, I think that if, if, it's, if, if you're listening to this and you're struggling with fertility or you're not sure if you're struggling with fertility, but it's not happening as quickly as you thought it might, um, then it might be worth it for you to check out the book and just read it. Absolutely. And I will have it linked in the show notes. It has a bunch of great info. It has a lot more stories, um, like the one about the crazy lady with the white couch. And, um, (laughs) yeah, I just, I, I thought it was extremely informative. Like, you know, I shared, I've been in the holistic realm for a long time and there was a lot of good stuff in there that I hadn't thought of or, or hadn't read anywhere else. So, I'm just excited to share it as a resource for everybody who's listening. Um, what what would you leave a woman with if she is wanting to have a baby? Maybe she's been trying a long time. Maybe she isn't, but she's just, she's not pregnant yet, but she's like on that cusp of figuring out next steps to getting that thing that she wants. Like, what would you, what would you say to her? Like what words of encouragement or wisdom would you offer her? (laughs) Um, Get tested sooner rather than later. Don't wait because the amount of waiting anxiety that gets created is not worth it. Um, Just get tested. 
if your doctor doesn't want to order the test, order it for yourself. Like throw it all out the window. There's so many services now that you can do at-home testing. You can go order your own labs and get real blood work for a third of what your insurance yeah. company will charge you. So there are lots of resources. Just like take it into your own hands because so many times I've seen doctors say, oh, you haven't tried for a year, so keep going. We're not going to do it. A year is like such a long time to wait if you feel like you're ready to have a baby right now. So when you say get tested, what what are we testing? Are we testing eggs? Are we testing hormones? Are we just like checking our like taking all the things, like what tests tell us about fertility? Like if somebody didn't know. So there's four basic tests um, that are hormones that tell you about your fertility. FSH, follicle stimulating hormone, LH, luteinizing hormone, um, AMH, anti-malarian hormone, and estradiol. So those four tests happen on day three of your cycle. Um, Ideally, it's a blood test, but there's like labs like modern fertility. You can do a finger stick test. Um, Not as accurate, I think, but a good screening test nonetheless. Um, So those are the four tests that give you at least a sense of what's happening. And um, we, at least right now, we have a $1 consultation that go that will like review the tests for you so that you can just have someone say, this looks fine, don't worry, or this looks concerning, maybe you shouldn't wait. Yeah. Um, Which is awesome. So had- you guys, basically, you can order online the way you can do everything now. You can order <laughs> these four tests she's talking about. You can complete them and then you can dial her up and she can read the results for you and tell you yes. what's going on so that you don't have to exactly. go talk to a, a man about it who is going to dismiss you quickly. Uh, <laughs> right. Or tell you that you need IVF or yeah, whatever Yeah, or tell you is. that you need to wait a year before you worry about right. it or come back yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be hard, but yeah. advocacy for yourself is really, really important. Totally. Exactly. And, and yeah, I think you've got it. Like just take it into your own hands, follow your intuition. We don't often talk about it, but it's part of my like stepping into your feminine is your intuition is really huge. And it, it's going to be even more useful once you have a baby, but start practicing it now. Like listen to that voice that's telling you what you need and you are maybe like no I don't I don't really want to um that voice (laughs) is the right voice voice. (laughs) well Dr. Amama thank you so much for being so generous with your time and your knowledge and your humor and your personal stories um (laughs) it's just been an absolute delight and I know that everyone is going to get a ton of value out of this episode you guys go out and order fertility secrets what your doctor did didn't tell you about baby making, they can get that on Amazon, right? Yes. And then your website Amazon. as well. Yes. And yes. I will link those for you guys in the show notes to make it super easy. Um, but just a great resource to have and, or even to buy and send to a friend that, you know, is like on this journey, just let them know that they're supported and that they're seen and give them some tools that they can use. Totally. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Kristen. This is awesome. It was a pleasure. We'll have you back soon. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Hey, thank you so much for hanging in there and listening with an open and curious heart. I hope this conversation has inspired, educated, and entertained you, or at the very least, shaken things up in a productive way. 
Ann Voskamp says that shame dies when stories are told in safe places. So please share, rate, and review. Sending you love and dark chocolate. Talk soon.